Hey everyone, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scott C Business, and today we're here with Matt Aaron, who has a ton of things going on. He's got crazy calm. He's involved in the Bitcoin Cash House. He ran the Bitcoin.com podcast for almost two years, uh, racking up 231 episodes. So we have a lot to dive into here. I think first, uh, it'll be best to start off with crazy calm and work our way through these. Um, but before we jump into that, do you just want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. I mean, you did a pretty good job there on the introduction. I've been doing all sorts of things, um, businesses, projects uh, for the last you know, 15 years. I got into crypto in uh, 2000 and uh, really 2017 was where I, I really got uh, you know fully into it and um, started playing around and and yeah, I mean, joining Bitcoin.com and launching their podcast network and and then doing stuff in, in Latin America. I've really uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things. And um, that's why I'm here today, because I, I realized when I was at Bitcoin.com that um, there's a lot of, of talk about the usefulness of cryptocurrency for both high risk banking industries and what we'll talk about later, high risk countries. Um, everyone says, you know, banking unbanked, right? And they're, they're catchy uh, slogans, but going in and trying to figure out how that all works and understanding the, the roadblocks of doing that. So I've become a, a crypto friendly business and advocate for cryptocurrency in the cannabis sector, which is a high risk banking industry where you have in, in California, you know, CFOs driving around with a million dollars of cash. And we launched a, a CBD coffee company. Um, it's CBD instant coffee named Crazy Calm. And uh, yeah, we've we've had uh, yeah well over a thousand dollars worth of cryptocurrency orders so far. I mean, it's still a fraction of total sales, but um, we uh, expect to continue using cryptocurrency because of uh, a, a simple thing, Scott. Is it's very hard to have uh, payment processing if you're selling cannabis-related products. And any day, and this has happened to other people in the industry, our payment processing with Visa and Mastercard, which is already at very high rates, by the way, could be shut down. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so what did I, I was going to say? What does your average day look like now? Um, but I don't, I don't know how relevant that would be to when you were kind of in the mix of all, all, all of the things you were doing back um, with Bitcoin.com and everything. But I guess what, what does your day look like now? And and what, what was it like when you were doing podcasts like every other day and uh, interviewing all these people? Yeah, so I still do a little bit of content creation today. So. Um, you know, I'm coming on this podcast to share with your community, and uh, I, you know, I interview people in the in the cannabis sector as well. But a lot of just product formulation, um, you know, calling wholesale stores, CBD and vape shops across the U.S. That's the majority of my time. Bitcoin.com was really interesting. I mean, I was putting out three to four episodes per week. As you know, Scott, like it's a lot of content. Uh, you know, we had an editor, a social media person, just for the podcast. But um, you know, producing and scheduling, and then preparing for the the interviews. Um, you know, sometimes I'd have authors on there, so I'd make sure to read their books and or just listen to old interviews. Um, yeah, publishing three to four episodes a week definitely kept me uh, quite busy. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So, so what was the kind of like original motivation and like, and also how did you come up with the name for crazy Com? and what was the original motivation there for, for starting it and, uh, and forming that business? Sure. So my original motivation, I started drinking CBD coffee, uh, about a year ago, maybe like January of, of 2019. And I was brewing it. Um, I found a, like a ground coffee version, but I'm someone that travels a lot. I'm in Mexico right now. I, I move around and I wanted a instant version. I don't know if you're familiar with Four Sigmatic, but um, you know they've been like Joe Rogan know. and they sponsor like Tim Ferriss podcast. Oh, they do okay. like instant, instant like mushroom coffee, like the oh, not wow. like um, psychedelic mushrooms, but um, oh okay, that's, that's what I thought. Like okay. The uh, mental performance uh, mm. mushrooms for mental performance and immune system. Um, anyway, so Four Sigmatic is a very interesting company, and I saw what they were doing with mushrooms, and I was like, wow, um, there is no CBD instant coffee product on the market, and so just kind of scratched my own itch and took six months to formulate and get it produced, but we launched uh, at the end of December. Awesome. Awesome. So and the it, name, it, sorry, it, the name crazy calm. It's, it's a, a juxtaposition, right? It crazy is the caffeine, uh, the coffee and calm is the CBD. So a, a relaxing energy. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so I forgot my question there. Um, 
for for crazy calm how uh like what what kind of crypto do you accept for that and and what was kind of the process for getting all of that set up for crypto payments sure so uh it was very easy with coinbase commerce we initially launched with uh bch btc uh ethereum and litecoin um we recently added dai uh, because coinbase commerce had it there i I find Dai to be interesting although i uh i have my own uh, reservations about it just because it's such a difficult thing to create a uh, like a decentralized stablecoin and essentially you uh you know federal reserve type bank uh running it but um we also had the nano community reach out and so some people from nano uh sorry nano, uh, nano uh have have purchased it i would say that we are crypto agnostic as long as we know we'll have the liquidity if we need to um to cash it out but the coinbase commerce plugin is is so well done um that that's kind of the main terminal right now. And if we'll add another plugin for other cryptocurrency, we want to make sure that the community's big and it has enough uh, volume. Yeah, makes sense. So I guess people who are trying to do the same thing, that's probably their their best go-to plugin. So here's what I would say. It, I would say maybe. Um, I actually wrote a guide, Bitcoin for Business Owners, that I can link you to. But the okay. It depends. Like BitPay is very interesting if you want to be able to cash out. Um, it's a little bit more difficult in Canada, but you sometimes can do it. Actually, I don't know if you can do it in Canada, but in, in U.S., but for crypto related or for CBD related companies, they don't allow uh, them to be on their platform. But if there's mm-hmm. someone who wants zero risk or they want to just keep 10 percent in crypto, BitPay, if you get approved, is maybe the, the best bet. And I think they have, you know, uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum now. Um, but if you want to have like a non-custodial where you hold, you, you know, hold your funds, um, anyone can use it anywhere in the world. Coinbase Commerce for sure. Like, you know, it's not um, people think Coinbase Commerce and they think it's going to be a custodial wallet, but that's not the case. You know, you they don't uh, hold your keys. You hold the keys to the wallet. Awesome. Awesome. I, I remember what I was going to ask you before um, for Crazy Calm. How does the uh, like like is it an instant like. Uh, like a bag of coffee or is it like a Keurig cup or like what is the actual product look like for the instant coffee? Yeah, well, um, sh- should I grab something to show it to you real quick? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, why not? Okay. One second. Okay, so check out. So this is the box. Each box, can you see it? Each box yep. comes with 10 sachets. I'll just take out one. And um, you can see the sachet here. Um, okay. It's a CBD. It's not CBD oil. A lot of people think it's CBD oil. This is a water-soluble CBD powder mixed with instant coffee, and you can mix it with hot or or cold water, and you're you're ready to go. Awesome. And check it out, man. We even published. You can see uh, the cryptocurrencies there. Oh, um, okay. The box we accept crypto. Nice. We're not hiding that we accept crypto. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, are are you are you planning to maybe ever get into um, having like those like instant little cups or anything like that, uh, where you like put them in like a Keurig or like a, I think the other one's called Tassimo. I think so. Yeah, I don't know if if we do Keurig cups. Maybe I I think um, instant coffee. Maybe we would do a a a ground coffee in the future. But we're just trying to focus on one product for now. Um, yeah, because. As you know, man, it's, it's once you add a new product there's uh, on the supply chain and the production, there's so much complexity. But I think we'll probably stick with instant coffee for the uh, foreseeable future. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I, I don't know what else to ask about CrazyCom. I mean, you kind of dove into it a little bit. Uh, for, for Bitcoin Cash House, I'm really curious about how did that all get started and and what was your involvement in that program? And and uh, just for people who don't know anything about it, if you want to give a, an introduction to that. Yeah, sure. So, okay. we uh, I was running uh, Latin American efforts for Bitcoin.com. And uh, so there's Telegram is amazing. I'm, I'm sure you're probably on Telegram, Scott, and the community there. And so just people from all over South America, just contacting them. Sometimes they want to run a meetup. Um, and there was a guy named Roberto Garcia, or there was, he, he's still alive. Uh, Roberto Garcia, he reached out to me, a young guy, and he's probably 23, 24. And he said, hey, I'm, there's this entrepreneurial um, conference here in Venezuela. Um, do you want to sponsor it? Um, you, know, you as in you know, Bitcoin.com. And so uh, we sponsored that. They had a stand there and they were promoting the wallet, giving away some free Bitcoin cash and 
teaching people how to use it to send you know, remittance payments, which is a pretty big thing. Remittance payments is just a fancy word for uh, sending money to your family when you're working abroad or in other countries. Um, one of the key uh, you know, use cases for crypto. And mm-hmm. um, so we developed a relationship. He was running a, a meetup in Barquisimeto, Venezuela. And he reached out to me one day and he's like, hey, man, um, I want to open a store and like sell coin.com swag. And I was like, yeah, I, I, like, because we, we had sent down swag, you know, like T-shirts and like that and stickers. I was like, I, that seems OK. Uh, maybe people will be interested in that. But why not uh, create kind of a, maybe a, a co-working space slash office, but a place where people can come and, and learn, you know, an education center about Bitcoin Cash, host meetups, uh, a place for people to developers to go to learn how to build on top of Bitcoin Cash and make a, a hub. And um, yeah, and he, I mean, he took it from there and, you know, he, he got an investment from Bitcoin.com, uh, a small investment and uh, also sponsored by Sideshift.ai, which is, uh, sorry, Sideshift.ai, which is a kind of a, a no KYC shapeshift. Um, anyway, so with those two sponsors in hand, he's got the, the office space, he's running events, uh, working on a developer hub so people can learn to you know how to develop on Bitcoin Cash. And um, yeah, that was the first one. And after seeing that, uh, people in Ghana and other countries in Africa reached out. And then now there's one called Bitcoin Cash House Ghana. Um, but the whole idea is it's there, there's not strict rules for a Bitcoin Cash House. This is not like a McDonald's franchise. And why is that? Because each country has specific needs and tastes when it comes to crypto, right? Maybe some places already have very good mobile payments for mobile money, but, uh, you know, domestically, but they need to send it internationally. Um, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't have access to credit card processes or they're very expensive and charge 6%, like a, a place like Venezuela. So basically creating an education hub and adapting it to the needs of the country. Um, and then the idea is to have multiple education hubs uh, where people can learn um, and learn about crypto and interact and and um, yeah and, and kind of spread the word. But having the and understanding another another thing I like to add, Scott. Uh, I know this is a long answer, but another thing that's very important is the lack of trust in developing world countries, where um, the the governments tend to be more corrupt, people are more skeptical. There's there's more scams as an aggregate, right? And and so the importance of having a physical space, and this doesn't have to be for Bitcoin Cash, this can be crypto agnostic. Um, I mean, that's how in, in York, right? There was like the, the Bitcoin Center in New York. That was like the first first spot, right? But I encourage anyone listening to uh, look into starting a, a, a physical space, because I think if we had thousands or tens of thousands around the world, that is going to be the one of the best ways to get uh, mass adoption. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned before we jumped onto this uh, call that having that in-person interaction is is the most important to actually, you know, help people learn. Um, so, do you want to talk a little bit more about forming uh, like physical spaces and 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 why it's so important? Like, I know you already touched on it a bit, but um, but just diving in a little bit more as to why it's so important and and the difference it makes compared to just uh, trying to learn online or how you mentioned earlier, actually like talking to someone in person and helping them get it, you set up. Okay. Yeah. So, so first off, I would say that depending on the country or even the state, when it comes to the United States and other parts, it, the, the, the regulatory framework can, can be challenging, right? I mean, mm. if uh, New York, it's going to be almost impossible to do that unless you have millions upon millions of, of dollars. And each country has its own idiosyncrasies and you know permits and, and things that must be considered. Uh, the operating activity, um, it looks like in Ghana, it's a pretty open market that you can freely buy and sell there. While other places, it might have to be an education center and then maybe people can buy and sell between them, but it can't officially be um, you know uh, a place where you can buy and sell crypto. Um, so I think, first off, it's, it's worth looking into exactly what you can and, and can't do. Um, the, but to go on the importance, I, I think it's a great way to, um, if you want to run a business, I mean, this can be a for-profit enterprise and that's the idea. If, if you start it, um, where you are in Canada or wherever you want to do it and you start it, it's a great way to build a community, um, and, and become a trust. And once you build the trust, you know, this as a, as a content creator, once you build the trust and you have a community that comes there, business opportunities are going to arise a hundred percent. Um, and so I think. From an entrepreneurial perspective, that's important. Um, 
What else? Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's people that have heard of Bitcoin, but they don't know exactly what it is. But when they can come in and have a coffee or a beer, and um, and we're actually in a couple uh, kind of crypto hubs in the U.S. Uh, or a crazy call and whatever, and and talk about Bitcoin, it's it brings a whole other element. Going to these uh, going to these in person uh, meetups and gatherings. I guess I'm rambling a bit here, Scott, but that's that that's it. Uh, going to you know, these in-person meetups and, and gatherings and being able to then connect to, to other centers, uh, th- there are a million possibilities of things you can do there. Yeah, I think I think one of the most important things that you mentioned there was the different regulations. So like if you were going to try to learn from someone in, in Canada or something, we have completely different regulations for ICOs than in the United States. And, you know, the regulations are so different that uh, it, it really helps to to see someone in person and actually talk with someone who knows all of the the regulations and everything in your uh, in wherever you're located. So um, I, I think that's a pretty good. Um, well, well, Scott, can I have one more thing. And, and so yeah, yeah. going back to this overarching theme of using cryptocurrency, um, if you want to ha- be a little bit, kind of, I'd say a sobering look at uh, the world of cryptocurrency and how difficult regulation is, try to start a a physical location wherever you are, and you're most likely to run into a lot of difficulties when it comes to bank accounts. You know, you may have bank accounts get shut down, et cetera, et cetera. So when people are like, oh, like crypto is inevitable, it's going to take over everything. When you try to, you know, register a business and then and then do something with cryptocurrency, um, you'll see how difficult it is and, and bank, you'll, you will get bank accounts shut down, things like that. And that is a reminder of uh, how difficult uh, this process for cryptocurrency to find its place in the world is, but yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I just wanted to add that in. Yeah, and I guess, and I guess most people don't see those boundaries until right. you actually try to do it yourself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, I, I'd like to dive in a little bit into your time at Bitcoin.com. Um. You've interviewed a ton of people. Uh. Do you want to just kind of give a little bit of um? like a summary or, or what some of your, your thoughts and feelings were of, of your entirety there and maybe share a story or two. Yeah. So I had been podcasting before I had a food podcast that I ended up selling right when I started the Bitcoin.com podcast network. And I even had a hobby crypto podcast, which is actually how I interviewed mm-hmm. Roger Veer to start, but building a podcast network. Um, wow. I mean, I, I started, uh, you know, for timing, the first episode, I think, went live January 2nd, 2018. So literally, you know, since I started podcasting, the, you know, the price just kind of went uh, went down there for those two years. Uh, but I focused on building a, a network of, of shows where we had multiple shows. We had four shows. Um, and the, the fourth one was in Spanish because I wanted to, to hit the uh, you know, kind of Latino audience because there's not that much. There's not a lot of quality content in Spanish, um, and it's tough for people to have to read English always to get the, the best content. But you know, we had a new show this week in Bitcoin, um, Calle Bitcoin, the, the show in Spanish, uh, Blockchain 2025, which is the show on blockchain that I did with a, a number of co-hosts, and then Humans of Bitcoin, which was the flagship show, which was just telling human stories. And there was a theme to make it accessible to beginners because Bitcoin.com, if you search for Bitcoin in Google, it's going to come up, you know, number two, number four, it's going to be right there. And podcasting is popular. So the thought process behind that is, okay, well, they're into Bitcoin. They see the word podcast and they they click on that in Bitcoin.com. We don't want to, while it can have intellectual conversations that are interesting to to people that are in the space for a long time, we want to make sure that we're accessible to beginners and not get them lost in in lingo because the whole idea of Bitcoin.com is to onboard as many people as possible to the cryptocurrency ecosystem. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, doing live interviews, uh, uh, you know, you know, a couple of interviews with John McAfee, uh, just a lot of very interesting personalities and having these conversations, I was honored to be able to, uh, to, to speak with them. And I think a lot about osmosis because people are like, well, what did you learn? It's hard to say I learned X, Y, and Z, but just having mm. these conversations over time, things start to rub off in your way of thinking, um, and you get interesting anecdotes in every episode that 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 hopefully can help, uh, you know, mold your thinking in a very unknown and emerging space like cryptocurrency, where it's extremely difficult to understand where everything is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, like with what I do, I think it's really important to 
focus on, like you said, uh, with the Bitcoin, the humans of Bitcoin, it's really about the stories and it's not so much about like investing. Uh, I feel like a lot of the podcasts and channels out there already are already just talking about mainly investing. So it's good that there's content out there for people to like learn and, you know, gain that insight. And like you said, it's, it's more for like anyone who's interested in, in crypto, not just for more experienced people. So I, I think that's really, really important. That, that's kind of what I try to do as well with my channel, where it's very easy to understand and, you know, it's for anyone, but also accessible for, for new people getting in. And it's funny that you mentioned that you started like right when, right after the crash, because that's kind of right around when I started. Um, I started off by getting in just before the crash, unfortunately, investing a bunch uh, losing a bunch and then realizing that um, I'm probably not the greatest at investing, but uh, maybe I should try my hand at just like in looking into the technology and, and seeing what's all out there. And then that kind of started my journey. So um, like who who were some of your favorite people to to talk to? I mean, not that I want you to like pick and choose favorites, but like what were some of the like really interesting conversations that you had that that you can recall and and, and were just, you know, like notable to you? Sure. So uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with with Evan Ratliff and going to your point that like stories, he wrote a book, which is probably the, maybe the best book I've read in the last 12 months called Mastermind. Um, and that's about Paul LaRue, who I don't know if you've ever seen the show Breaking Bad before. Mm -hmm. um, this is like a international um, Breaking Bad type character where it's like this, this evil genius who uh, started bringing in, uh, or he started doing the online pharmacies in the US and Canada, I think mostly in the US and selling them and made hundreds of millions of dollars. And that turned into uh, doing meth deals with North Korea, um, you know, trafficking arms to Iran, just an incredible story, true story, um, who's now in, in jail right now. But there was rumored that he was Satoshi. Uh, whether or not he's Satoshi, I don't know, but there's a compelling case for it. Um, but he, is a genius cryptographer and uh, has been involved in the cryptography community for, for a long time. And so I read his book and I interviewed him about the kind of the making of the book. And I think it's going to be turned, or it is, they, he sold the movie, right? So it'll be a movie soon um, or maybe a TV series. I can't remember. But the point was, it's just having a conversation with people that are kind of outside the Bitcoin space. It's like a wired magazine guy and getting a, you know, up close view uh, on a person that's, um, you can't even find photos of this guy online, Paul LaRue. It's, uh, there might be one wow. photo when he was detained, but that was, a really, really interesting one. Um, Patrick Byrne of, of Overstock and, and Medici Ventures. He's he's since gone. Um, I don't know. I think he had this whole like Russian spy drama. A lot of people, a lot of people that were like mired in controversy would either have it before or after coming on the show. Uh, coincidentally, um, who else? Uh, you know, Eric Voorhees came on twice. I finished off with Eric because he didn't. You know, he's one of uh, the people I look up to and admire in the in the cryptocurrency space. Um, but but yeah, those are some of the names that that come to mind, and I'm there's a lot of great episodes. It's just hard for me to uh, recall all of them kind of on the spot. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like you said earlier, it's hard to pick and choose anecdotes. It's kind of just like you learn a little bit with with each uh, with each episode that you do. So um, that those were kind of uh, all of the questions that I had for for those specific topics. Um, for for crazy calm actually where do you see it going in the next like year and then then maybe the next five years um like in the most ideal sense oh okay well yeah the most ideal sense i, I yeah because because you because it's hard to tell with crypto and everything uh where everything's going so i guess just if everything worked out perfectly i guess okay that's a great question if everything worked out perfectly um um, again, and just, you know, CBD and cannabis, I mean, you know, this here in Canada is a big uh, regulatory, uh, there's a lot of regulatory uncertainty in the, in the cannabis space as well, right? So um, visualizing, you know, a year and five years from now, being able to share relaxing energy products, whether that's CBD coffee or, uh, you know, other types of things that provide relaxing energy and, and um, allowing people to, to do that throughout the United States. Uh, yeah, I would like to get in many stores and have, you know, an assortment of products that can fit as many people as possible. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a simple goal and hopefully you can achieve it. Right. I mean, I mean, it's not simple, but I mean, it's, 
simply said, uh, very to the point. Um, so I'd like to get some of your uh, opinions on like some of the dApps that are out there because a lot of what I dive into is social media dApps and I know you're familiar with uh, with several. So so like what are what are some of your thoughts on some of the current social media applications that are out there that have crypto monetization or, and or are using blockchain? Sure. And so I want to I'm going to get to that, but I want to address some that you made a very good point earlier. Like when I ran the Bitcoin.com podcast network and there are there are like maybe 300 cryptocurrency podcasts, you know, Kraken, uh, you know, the block, Coindesk, everyone has a podcast, right? So it's very important whether it's a podcast or YouTube channel. And I would say, I think YouTube channel, if you're going to monetize maybe the easier route like you're doing, um, yeah. you have to have, it's got to be about something that's unique. And, and I love that you're focusing on the, the, so, you know, on the decentralized social media platforms. Um, so I just kudos to you. And I think that's a great space to to stay in and kind of brand around. Um, I don't have I haven't tried all of the pop, like, platforms. So, uh, you know, I know DLive is out there. I've looked at it a little bit library. I've looked at it a little bit, um, but I don't I haven't used them that much. I can say I really like read.cash, um, R-A-D dot C-A-S-H, because to me, the usability UI UX, it's to me, it's, it's better than medium. Um, and, um, you know, I'm connected to the Bitcoin cash community, so I have a huge bias there, but I find some, some good stuff on there. Um, besides that, I, I personally thought that, um, steam, it was like a pretty centralized for like a centralized company. Um, that was my take. And I, I was always like, why do they have three tokens? I, I, I know you can explain that, but so I was never, I never really got into steam it. But I'm for all types of alternative publishing and kind of just seeing the way the, the market plays out. But the one that I would encourage people to check out is read read.cash. Yeah, yeah. And I only recently got on there, but it's uh, it's definitely a really, really interesting platform. And yeah, like you said, it, it, it's very similar to Medium, but uh, it might even be a little bit better because you also don't have to be limited to just five articles a day unless you pay right so so that's one major improvement right there um but yeah no i mean with, with steam it actually I, they were just thing? yeah yeah sorry i just want to, to tie everything we talked about so you mentioned that uh and we talked about the bitcoin cash house literally the bitcoin cash house ghana need to raise a little bit of money i, I don't know maybe it was like 75 dollars and they they just um posted what they were doing and where they wanted to go with it on read.cash and they raised the money that way so you know they i won't say ico because you know they, they raise funds they you know crowdfunding just with one post on read.cash i realize that can be done other places too but just that kind of ties together what we're talking about the power of these communities connecting and people someone from from africa or south america just post and say hey this is what i'm doing and being able to raise funds instantly it's it's amazing yeah yeah no absolutely uh like the the power behind being able to fund different projects, donate to charity, all these amazing different things that you can do with social media applications is just phenomenal. Yeah. And um, I was just going to say that Steemit was actually just bought by Tron. So I'm hoping that they kind of decentralize it more and just improve upon some of the things that um, that they didn't really build out very much because they were they they felt like they were stuck in like a beta limbo for so long a beta limbo for so so long because it's been around for maybe almost four years now and um, it, it never really changed like the UI never really changed not a whole lot changed um, and it's only been owned by Tron for a little over a week and they've already updated a bunch of things so I'm really excited to see how how that plays out. Um, so I'm surprised that you never got into steam. It, it was it just like, cause, cause that was kind of like the original social media dap. Um, did you, did it, was it just not like, uh, like it was, it just too confusing with all the different coins or like, what was the, uh, the barrier of entry? I know there's also like an approval process, so that's kind of a, uh, a barrier of entry as well. But what, like, what were your, your thoughts there? Honestly, it had nothing to do with Steam. It, the barrier to entry was time because I was exploring so many blockchain projects yeah. at once, you know, and it's just, there's like, someone would say, oh, you should check out X community, the Decred community, and, and just not having enough hours in the day to, or, or focus really to be able to evaluate so many projects at once. But I also think it was yeah. by, it's by Dan Larimer, right? Originally, he, he created it, Steam it. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Because yeah. He, he started, um, 
Well, he created Steam, not Steam It. Steam It is just ah. like one of the interfaces. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. She created Steam and then BitShares and then later EOS, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so, you know, he has this reputation for being brilliant, but but moving quickly between projects. So yeah. uh, a, risk of, a risk of that, right? Being able to create all these things and, you know, it, a mastermind like he has is perhaps that if you pass it off and leave the project, you know, when the may not necessarily like I realized he didn't create steam it, but creating steam, uh, it's nice mm -hmm. having some insight from Dan Larimer if you're the steam it team and maybe they didn't have that because he was focused on, on EOS. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And, uh, and speaking of EOS, like they just launched voice on, uh, on Valentine's day, which is their supposed to be their dap killer of all daps. But, um, I don't know. I mean, it's not available in Canada yet, but um, I'll be curious to see how that goes. People have been kind of skeptical because uh, it requires KYC, um, whereas the majority of social platforms right now don't. So that's a pretty big barrier of entry. Um, and I, I don't know. It, it's a very unique project, though. Like, you can't buy their token. You can only earn it. So, I mean, like, they definitely have a unique value proposition with voice but uh i mean i don't know fully yet until i'm actually able to go on and try it out but uh my my concerns with eos was that there's so much congestion on the chain uh like they had to use a private chain for voice but um yeah i mean like because eos was supposed to be the like enterprise chain but right. uh I, I feel like i feel like ethereum's really taken that uh that role in the space like what, what, what are your thoughts on that between like eos and uh, ethereum being enterprise level chains well okay here's what i would say i um i'm i think ethereum only you know ethereum alone really they have contributed so much to humanity in the world because this is a very difficult experiment it, it seems that this ethereum 2.0 thing is a very difficult transition it may not work out but the that culture and community they brought to, to crypto is a great contribution to the world, whether or not Ethereum works out or not. Um, EOS, I, I, um, I think re was it wasn't like a couple days ago, Scott, they, they, they like, they published, maybe it was a tweet or a blog post and they made like 17 changes to the protocol because there were some congestion issues and it just shows how centralized it is. Um, I, um, have I put in hours upon hours of reading about EOS? No, but my, my, you know, 30,000 foot view, uh, amateur view of EOS is not something that I'm that excited about, but I could be missing something. And maybe, I mean, they do have a lot of money, right? Their, their ICO raised a ton of money and they're sitting on a, a, quite a bit of, of money. So maybe that's the best way to roll out a, a social network. And, and maybe to have success, you have to start out uh, more centralized and then, and then kind of decentralize it as it, as it moves along. I mean, I make doubt and Ethereum is doing that. They're pretty centralized right now, right? The maker tokens held by like four you know, VC firms and they're, they're trying to distribute it. But, but um, so that's my take. I mean, I'm more excited about Ethereum uh, than comparatively to EOS. Um, yeah, it, it's, um, I, I've never really dug deep into that system, but I, I would, I mean, I would be curious to take a look at voice and, and see what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd actually be able to get on and check it out. I'm still uh, waiting for the beta to make its way here, but um yeah, I mean, like, I, I know you're more of a fan of, like, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. What are some other, like, do you know of any other applications that exist on Bitcoin Cash? Um, like, I know there's Memo Cash, but I prefer read.cash to memo.cash. Since memo.cash, you have to uh, spend uh, BCH for everything you do, like commenting. And, like, I felt like that was too much of a barrier of resistance. Like, for me, it's like... If someone from Twitter was going to join this platform, I, that's kind of the way that I look at it. Would they be willing to spend money every time they commented or replied or, you know, did something? And and I would say probably not. Like they're mm -hmm. they're going to a social media platform to earn money because that's kind of the value proposition um, rather than actually spend money. Uh, I, I understand that it like deters, you know, spam and bots and and all that. Um, but I just don't know if that's quite enough of a value proposition. And, and that's why I really like read.cash because, uh, they're, they're probably one of the better BCH, uh, platforms out there, but I, I do the know best. there's like, yeah, yeah, probably the best. Yeah. But I, I know there's some other ones, but, uh, I, I don't know if you might know better than I do. 
I, I honestly, do, I mean, those two are the ones that I think about. Memo.cash, I think a lot if like, let's say you wanted to place a bet, right? You're like, oh, like the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup in t- 2024. That's not a great example, but like maybe by the year 2024 or something crazy is going to happen, like to easily encode like a prediction on a blockchain and like reference it. Memo.cash would be, um, you know, good for that. Uh, I mean, you could also use like a, there's like a, a notary service for the Bitcoin Cash blockchain as well. But but yeah, I, I think you're right on that, that to bring like a mainstream adoption to memo.cash does not seem likely. Um, uh, and and the, it's it's there's a two-sided coin there having to pay for everything. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very bullish on read.cash as a platform to find really good content. And I'm going to start publishing content on, on read.cash um, hopefully or in like a couple of weeks. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll be looking out for your content there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a lot of the, uh, topics that I wanted to cover. Is there anything else that you wanted to dive into before we, uh, end this off? No, I will. Scott, I just wanted to thank you. And, and, uh, for you, I mean, I gotta ask you, man, I want to turn this interview around on you really quick. I mean, sure. you've looked at what, like 50, a hundred, uh, kind of social media platforms. Um, and what, you know, what do you think has the best chance of, of, we'll say, uh, global adoption? Mm. So for my comprehensive review that I'm working on right now, um, I've got maybe like four top recommendations and then I've got like secondary recommendations and tertiary recommendations and then just things that I don't recommend. Um, so in my, all of my recommendations, there's probably like 15, but in my top recommendations, because I think realistically, most people are only looking at joining one or two platforms. Um, I would say publish OX because they're crypto agnostic and it's really, really easy to get started and to earn on there. I would say steam, like any of the platforms on steam, because there's a lot, there's like DTube, which is like decentralized YouTube. There's, um, Apex, which is like basically steam Instagram. And then you have steam it, but that will be moving to, well, I I actually don't know what Tron's going to do with steam it. So that's kind of a wild card, but I have earned the most on steam. So for people who are looking for like profitability, not that that should be your main focus, but obviously it's a pretty attractive value proposition. I would say steam it and, um, other dApps on steam is a really, really good place to look for that. Um, I would say even though it's not a social dab, Brave Browser is just yeah. like a really, really cool platform for you to like earn on. And if you're a creator, you can get signed up there as well. And something that's really, really interesting is like most people block ads with like some sort of ad blocker. And with Brave Browser, it'll automatically do that. But then you can enable ads and then you can earn cryptocurrency as well as for uh, creators. They can also get uh, tips and you can auto contribute and things like that. So if someone's a brave browser creator and they're on YouTube and you watch their video, you could auto contribute to them. So I think that's a really, really cool way for everyone to kind of have a win-win situation. Um, a couple more dApps that I really, really like library definitely is going to be one of the really, really big up and comers this year. I think, uh, just insane amount of growth on that platform, the uh, the the token has actually gone up a lot lately. There's a lot of people using it, and they just give a lot of different ways for people to earn. Like if you come from YouTube, they'll actually pay out monthly just for you syncing your YouTube. If you have at least a thousand followers or more, you'll earn uh, from you'll they'll pay out monthly just for existing on the platform. You don't even have to post or do anything, but you'll receive. Um, a monthly payment from them just for being on the platform. And that's, you know, outside of, you know, you'll get a certain amount for however many followers you get and for every, every view you get, you get a certain amount. So they do a really, really good job of monetizing, uh, for that platform. So I think the most important thing is that creators are struggling on YouTube and, and all these platforms. Um, like even myself, like I've only got like 1700 subscribers on YouTube. It's going to take me a very long time before I ever see any kind of, you know, like reward or monetization or anything like that for, for all my efforts. And I've got about like 264 episodes, I think right now. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen any money for that, but on the crypto side of things, um, you know, I get like 
a few hundred dollars a month. And, and while again, like that's not crazy for someone who is creating, that's a huge motivator to keep going. And, and it's just like having any amount of money coming in is just really, really cool to see that. And uh, to know that your content actually does have value. And it was really just YouTube and all these legacy platforms that were preventing people from seeing that their content actually does have a lot more value and that they can take advantage of that with crypto platforms. But um, when, when I release the review, people can see all the other dApps that I recommend because there's there, there's definitely a lot. I probably post on like 15 um, when I go to post. Uh, I've got like 15 different ones because there's ones where I would just post, you know, like a quick little like twit, like a Twitter type post. And then there's ones that are like video hosting dApps. And then there's uh, the read.cache and publish OX, which is more like blogging. Yeah, there's so many different types. And there's like a, I think maybe read.cache will have this, but I'm just- there's like a, a way to a decentralized Patreon is pretty important because I know Patreon's had sense. There's so many opportunities in this space. And you made a great point about making people aware of the value they have, even though they haven't earned money on YouTube. Like, I, I, what is it? Like, if you have a million, a million views on YouTube is what, $2,000 uh, somewhere Something around there? Like that. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, a million views and you're only getting 2,000 bucks. I mean, to think that you're going to get, um, you know, to get, let's say you want to get $5,000 a month. That's roughly, we could be off on numbers here, but two and a half million views a month, that is hard. That's a lot of work, a lot of competition to get there, right? Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of people today, um, like some of my favorite creators, like Tim Pool, amazing journalist, right. um, a lot of his videos will be demonetized. And then Whoa. by the time he remonetizes them, it's been like, it usually takes around 24 hours to get through that process of remonetizing. Um, and by the time he actually monetizes his videos, people have already watched the majority of what they'll watch for that video because he does daily news. So yeah. uh, people already watched it. And by the time he's monetized, you know, 90% of the views have already happened. And then, you know, so, so even people who are doing really well aren't actually getting paid either. So uh, ironically, he's actually a big... Um, like he he encourages people to use crypto and he's actually like the top followed account on minds.com which is uh, an ethereum based uh platform and uh, patrick brine actually invested in minds.com so that's pretty interesting because you mentioned that you uh you interviewed him and um yeah i mean it's just really really interesting and seeing these these bigger people who are actually starting to promoted and um bill ottman the ceo of mines was on joe rogan's podcast so yeah like there's definitely like a lot of um a lot more mainstream people starting to join these spaces and i think it's uh it's really awesome to see and we need more people in in the uh in the crypto social uh, uh ecosystems i'd like to add something there so um I, I'm like note to self, check out Bill Ottman, Joe Rogan podcast and like minds.com. I, I'd heard of it obviously because the name is, is catchy, but I never looked at it. But so I use Brave. I'm using my, I, on my phone on Android and uh, on my PC, I always use Brave browser. I, I agree with yeah. everything you said, except one thing that I'm not sure about. So I find it just a superior browser to Chrome. Um, yeah. But here's where I'm a little bit confused, Scott. So um, there's using Brave as a web browser, which I'm 100% sold, but then there's Brave, like the token, and and then a publishing platform. So mm-hmm. what Brave is doing is basically they have websites, right, where um, you're going to someone's website and, and you're blocking their ads and then Brave's placing their own ads. So like, I, I wonder, do you, do you see where I'm, I'm coming from? So um, Yeah, yeah. Like I, like I see the issue like, that you're mentioning, but here's the thing. Yeah. People, uh, I, I think it was like eight, like 70 plus percent of people block ads anyways, right? Okay. So the value proposition of Brave is that regardless, people are going to block your ads. But if you sign up as a Brave creator, now uh, people are going to view ads and you're still going to get something out of it as a creator who've signed up. Um, so that means the the advertiser, the publisher and the user it's a win-win-win for everyone, and that's kind of their value proposition. And right now, they've got about just under five hundred thousand publishers, which is pretty impressive. Uh, if you go on batgrowth.com, you can see in real time that number going up. Because um, right now, they do YouTube, Twitch, 
uh, like just regular websites. I think what else do they do? Uh, Twitter and may- maybe a few other things, but um, but those are like their main ones. And uh, yeah, like p- people are going to block ads regardless. So it's a much better value proposition where everyone still gets a little bit of a piece of the pie. But I, I do see what you mean. Like if you're, if you're just hosting your own website and people are coming on and blocking your ads and then, and then Brave's you know, money from it. yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're not signed up with brave. That's where you kind of lose out, but because it's really easy and free, uh, I, I would recommend that anyone should, should check out signing up. Oh yeah. I, I just always, cause I'm so bullish towards, anything crypto i always try to play the devil's advocate and find where there could be a problem like what am i what am i missing that's yeah thing i'd say yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely because um yeah like obviously don't blindly trust anything just because it's crypto right i think that's also like a problem in the space where people think oh you know like it's crypto it must be decentralized or it must be censorship resistant but you really gotta make sure that you check off all the boxes before you give it the uh the the all good like all all green all good to go because it's like yeah i mean like you mentioned earlier d live they're not as like they don't they don't have a lot of the values that you would assume that a blockchain platform would they've uh they've migrated twice and kind of like abandoned their previous communities they were just bought by tron as well ironically tron's been doing a lot of uh acquiring big yeah, like I, I'm, I think this is going to be a big year for Tron actually because they're acquiring all these like top social dApps, um, and then they've also got BitTorrent, so they've got a lot going on. And I'm really curious to see how this is all going to play out. But D Live has been kind of sketchy. I mean, I've made a million videos as to why people should be a little, you know, like like should really look into D Live before they, because I think a lot of the people going on D Live are coming from Twitch. Uh, because PewDiePie streams on DLive. So that's a huge, like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, if PewDiePie's on there, like, I should get on there. Um, but they're not very crypto-focused or, like, blockchain-savvy, so I don't think they realize that the current iteration of DLive is barely a blockchain, um, and it kind of goes against a lot of the motivations that you would assume a blockchain would have. And um, I'm hoping that Tron is going to fix a lot of that, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see, but like this is its third blockchain migration. Um, so, and again, they, they did kind of like leave the last two communities hanging when they left. So I'm curious to see is how this is all going to play out. But uh, yeah, people definitely need to be skeptical when looking at different platforms. That's another reason why I'm doing my big review, because um, I, I think people... Like they don't know where to go, right? A lot of people don't even know certain platforms exist. And then in other cases, they don't know what's, you know, like a safe platform or like there's been a lot of platforms too that have either like exit scammed or just like shut down. Right. Uh, Narrative is a great example. So I was on narrative and I paid to uh, certify myself on the platform or get verified. And then they shut down like two weeks later. Um and and it was crazy because they they'd raised like millions of dollars in their ICO and then they only lasted one year and they only gave out I believe fifteen hundred dollars worth of rewards to the users. So so people are wondering it's like well where did all the money go and why did you guys shut down? Uh, and they didn't really answer. They just kind of shut down. So you know you've got to be skeptical of these things and also just kind of be aware of what's happening in the space and and look into these things because when there's platforms that are you know, asking you to pay to verify and stuff. I always get very skeptical of that now um, Where when you have to pay to verify. And there's just certain things that you should be on the lookout for. I've also made like a, like a list, like I did a blog post and a video of things that you should look out for when you're looking at new blockchain platforms to know if it's going to, you know, kind of check off all those boxes or not. But yeah, it's definitely something to uh, to be on the lookout for. I'm excited for your, your mega blog post. Um... I think it's going to serve a lot to the community, man. Yeah, you should. Uh, if you are curious, I do them every three months. So you could look at my previous one. I probably uh, looked at about 100 platforms at that time. Wow. It's definitely changed pretty drastically since. Right now, I think it's 129 platforms or 128. But uh, 
yeah, it's uh, I, I've got them all organized into different categories as to like why I wouldn't recommend this or, you know, like top recommendations or like why these didn't make top recommendations. It's it's very well organized so that people could even just use it as a directory for like all the platforms that exist uh, currently, um, obviously not in real time, but pretty close to it. Because, again, I, I try to do these every like three months or so so that they're as up to date as possible. Yeah. And if your platform. Yeah, I mean. It's really interesting to me that how much it can change in three months. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 actually pretty crazy. Like the difference from the last one to the one that I'm about to put out. Yeah, it, it changes pretty drastically. And um, yeah, I mean, you just got to kind of keep up with these platforms and 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 see what's going on. And I mean, like I said, I post to about fifteen. Um, almost daily so it's definitely a hassle I don't expect anyone to even get close to that amount but uh, that's kind of why I do these reviews to show people like what is out there that they could look for and uh, and what they could take advantage of cool uh, awesome yeah all right well I mean we've almost been talking for an hour now so I won't uh, I won't take up any more of your time uh, I really appreciate you jumping on though is there is there anything else you wanted to uh, quickly touch on before we end this off no, Scott, uh, it was a pleasure. I, I really enjoyed, um, I think you got a lot of good content here, especially the, um, well, basically you educating me on the, our discussion on the social media publishing platforms was, was quite interesting. So I really enjoyed our, our conversation, man. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, and I really appreciate you coming on as well. Um, if you want, I can send you a link to the previous one if you're curious at looking at some of the different uh, platforms that are out there right now. But uh, yeah, no, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some insight with the CrazyCom and what you did at Bitcoin Cash House and uh, your experience with Bitcoin.com podcast. Really, really awesome. And I, and I hope um, you know people learn from this and maybe they uh, check out some of the stuff you've done. Uh, check out your coffee. If, if people are into uh, CBD coffee, definitely check out CrazyCom. I might even order some. Do they? Is it uh, international? Like, can I order in Canada yet? Or, or what uh, is the, uh... it's, it's a little bit of a gray area. Let, let me let me think about that because we, we sent a little bit to Canada, but we try to be careful there. But uh, U.S. for sure. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, anyone from Canada, reach out uh, to me, and especially in, in the U.S. where you can order uh, 100% without any uh, any issues. Awesome, awesome. All right, well. Thanks again, and uh, hopefully we can uh, maybe do a follow-up chat in uh, in the future. Sounds great. Uh, I'd I'd be up for it. Awesome. All right. Cheers. Cheers, man.